Hey guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's absolutely free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a whole lot more. Basically, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah. And you want to know what else? You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, which is really cool. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, everybody. I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome to Unnatural. We're back. Again. We survived Halloween. Barely. (laughs) Barely. Yeah. So what do we got going on today? Today we are heading back to Pennsylvania and we are going to talk about a young woman who was found dead in her apartment. Now, anyone looking at the evidence would think that this was a very violent, very personal attack. But what the medical examiner ruled as her cause of death is what has left many people perplexed and still searching for answers and demanding justice. So today we are going to talk about the story of Ellen Greenberg. was born June 23, 1983 in New York City. She was the only child of her parents, Joshua and Sandra Greenberg. So they were a super close family. Um, her parents always said that she was their world. They did uh, like a lot of things together. They were super close. Um, they did move to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania when she was 11. Uh, Her mom described Ellen as a girly girl who was into fashion. She was caring, bubbly, always smiling. She had a gorgeous smile. Um, Andy, when you see the pictures of her, you will see what I'm talking about. Like, what's what's her last name? Her smile is just super radiant. Greenberg. Oh wow, she's beautiful. Wow. Mm Hmm. Yeah, I, I can see what you mean here. She just has one of those infectious smiles. Yeah. Uh, Her dad also described her as a girly girl, but at the same time, she was into sports. She was athletic. Um, Ellen went to Penn State initially to be a speech pathologist. Mm. But somewhere along the way, she decided that um, that's not what she wanted to do. And she decided to become a teacher. Mm. If that doesn't speak to just how special this woman was. I don't know what does because she loved kids. She went back to school. She got her teaching degree and she started teaching first grade. Wow. I yeah. I imagine that would be one of the tougher grades to teach. I feel like anything in elementary school <laughs> would be hard. Oh, man. Now, everyone said like the other staff at the school she taught at and her students just adored her. And 
Eventually, through a mutual friend, she met a guy named Sam Goldberg, who was a producer for NBC. They dated for three years Hmm. until they went on a vacation in California, I believe, and Sam popped the question. So they got engaged. Um, They set their wedding date for August of 2011. And according to her family and friends, this was like the happiest time of her life getting engaged. Her friends said they were the perfect couple and that it just seemed like they were meant to be from the very beginning. Yeah. But towards the end of 2010, Ellen's family and friends kind of noticed a shift in her. She was um, suffering from a lot of anxiety. She said that she was just feeling really overwhelmed with work, um, with wedding planning. She was having trouble sleeping. She was dealing with some insomnia. At one point, she even, like, got a hold of her parents and was like, hey, I think I want to move home, which now at this point, Ellen and Sam lived outside of Philadelphia, I believe, and then her parents still lived in Harrisburg, which was like two hours away. Wow. Now, her mom and dad maintained that her um, her want to move home wasn't motivated by anything going wrong in her relationship. I think it was just one of those, like, she was feeling overwhelmed and super stressed. And because her and her mom and dad are so close, that maybe just, like, coming back to her was just, like, some security that would maybe her feel, maybe make her feel a little bit more at ease. And then, her, you know, her family were said, well, you know, we support you, but we don't want you to give up your job, you know, any of that. So um, they suggested that she see a psychiatrist, which she did. And her psychiatrist, um, you know, made notes that, yes, she was suffering from some pretty severe anxiety, um, but like she wasn't feeling suicidal. There wasn't any major worries. It was just kind of like quote-unquote day-to-day anxieties that a lot of people deal with, especially when you have a lot going on in your life, like wedding planning, stressful. But then her dad did say that one big thing along with this that he noticed is that she seemed like she was putting a lot of the decision-making off onto Sam. Hmm. Like if someone asked for her opinion or, um, you know, asked her to go do something, she kind of said stuff like, like, um, you know, I don't know. Let me check with Sam. Let me see what Sam wants to do. Let me, you know, she just kind of like had him making the decisions, which her dad said was pretty unusual. Very unlike her, huh? Yeah. But um, she she was prescribed some medication, which she was taking And um, she was still, you know, getting ready for the wedding. She was doing lots of planning. And now we're going to fast forward to January 26th, 2011. So this was just a regular day. Ellen went to work, but there was a big blizzard this day. So Mm. um, school got let out early and Ellen stayed behind long enough just to finish up her tasks. Then she went to the gas station to fill up her car and went home. Like, the people in the Midwest and, like, the North, you know that when there's a blizzard yeah. and it's cold, you, you put gas in your tank. <laughs> you got to hunker down, too. Yeah. Yes. I have made them this mistake, and it's zero out of ten. Don't recommend. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I still have... I swear I got some frostbite from doing from not having 
gas in my car and trying to stop at a gas station in a blizzard once. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm really good at the, like, I'll be coming home from work and my gas will be really low. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'll just, like, I'll fill it up in the morning. Yeah, don't do I that. I never have time to fill it up in the morning, number one. <laughs> number two, it's just, it's colder in the morning than it is in the afternoon. And yeah. I don't want to stand outside and fill up my gas tank. It's just tough because... When it's the afternoon, you're getting off work. You're so tired from a long day. The last thing you want to... But really, gosh, if if you just do it, your life's going to be a lot better. I know, but we never learn, do we? We never learn. We never we learn. Never so anyway, nothing was out of the ordinary on this day. She spoke with her mom on her way home or shortly after she got home. She was talking to some friends. Um, I believe she saw Sam for a few minutes and then he went down to the gym that was at their apartment complex. Now, Sam returned to their apartment after his gym sesh and the door was locked from the inside. He said um, their apartment had one of those uh, swing lock mm-hmm. things like like what you see most of the time at a hotel, right? So, Oh, yeah, I have one of those. He's texting Ellen and yelling for her like... Hey, come come answer the door. Now, he sent a series of text messages that went like this. Hello? Open the door. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? I'm getting pissed. Hello? You better have an excuse. What the fuck? Ah! And then the last text he sent was, you have no idea. Uh-oh. Now, that last one, I feel like if we really want to pick it apart... It could mean several different things. Like, you oh, have no yeah. idea the, effi- the fight we are going to have once I get inside this door. You have no or, idea how upset I am. Yeah. Or you have no idea that I'm stuck outside. Yes. Anything. Yeah. Like, maybe she went out and, like, the it accidentally got locked. Right. Who knows? So, now, at this point, it's been about an hour. Sam goes to look for help because he couldn't get the lock open. And the um, he found a security guard. Now, this is kind of where it gets messy because the security guard said that he wasn't wearing gym attire. He was wearing boots. But it is the middle mm. of winter in Pennsylvania. I don't know the layout of this um, apartment complex. So I don't know if he had to go outside to get to the gym, which that would make sense for why right. he was wearing boots. Now, Sam says that. Or, well, like, he was asking the security guard for help. And the security guard was like, well, if it's the swing lock, you know, we don't have a tool or anything to be able to get that open. Right. And Sam says that this security guard came up to the apartment on the sixth floor with him to, like, try and get the door open. But the security guard says, no, I didn't leave my post because I'm not allowed to. Hmm. That's interesting. Yep. And based on some of the research I've done, you know, you can lock and unlock one of those things, one of those swing bar locks from the outside. Really? It's possible to do. I'll send you some of the YouTube videos that I watched. Of course it's on YouTube. (laughs) Everything's on YouTube. So Sam eventually got into the apartment, which he said he forced his way in and kicked down the door. But yeah, because that's what I was thinking. When a lock is on a door like that, it wouldn't be that hard to kick it in, I don't think. Right. So Sam gets into the apartment and he sees Ellen 
covered in blood, slouched over on the kitchen floor. Oh, my God. Now, this is where things get a little messy again. He doesn't call 911 right away. He calls his parents. Then he calls his uncle, who is an attorney or is affiliated with the judicial system in some way. And then he calls 911. Yeah, the the attorney was probably like, wait, you haven't called the police yet? What the hell are you doing calling me for? you'd think, you'd hope. So he's on the phone with 911. And they're like, well, uh, like, do CPR. Get here. Like, we'll walk you through it. This is what you do. And his response was, do I have to? Damn. Kind of weird. That's more than kind of weird. I mean. Because me, if I, if I broke in to my own apartment and I saw my fiance on the floor covered in blood, I feel like I would, boom, like not even a thought I would be trying CPR. I would probably try CPR before I picked up the phone to call 911. Oh, yeah. You would be on them. You would be hysterical. You, you know, you're you're probably your hand would be underneath their head trying to prop them up, talking to, you know, I mean, you're doing everything you can. Something, yeah. anything. Well, he did tell the operator that the a knife was sticking out of her chest. And it was at that point that the operator was like, OK, don't do CPR because you don't want to move the knife around if she's still alive. Because, like, rule number one, if you get stabbed or impaled, don't take out the thing that has stabbed or impaled you. Don't yeah. do it. How many movies have we watched where they try to do that and all hell breaks loose? Yes, and that happens in real life, too. Don't mm-hmm. take the thing out. Anyway, so... um. Sam's parents arrive, and Sam's dad was the one that called Ellen's parents. Now, Ellen's mom said, I got that phone call, and my whole world just went dark. Now, remember, they're two hours away. It's a blizzard. They're snowed in, so they couldn't even get there. Now, in total, Ellen was stabbed 20 times. Ten Ten of the wounds were in the back of her her neck and head, and two of them actually punctured her brain. Now, the other wounds were on her chest, neck, arms, and like her abdomen, I believe, and the knife was still, the knife was from their butcher's block in their kitchen, and it was still in her chest. I mean, to me, just as being a person who has never heard this case before... When a person stabbed that many times, it's usually a crime of passion. Right. If if it's a robbery or something, they want to stab you and get the hell out of there, you know? Right. Now, on her autopsy report, it is mentioned that she had several bruises on her arms, leg, and stomach in various stages of healing. Hmm. Now, Ellen didn't play sports, and, you know, they could have feasibly come from running into stuff, you know, whatever. Well, and some people bruise easily. Yeah. But it was still kind of weird. She had no defensive wounds and she was pronounced dead at the scene at 640 p.m. Now, investigators were, you know, initially they were like, oh, homicide. But then the more they looked, there was no signs of forced entry because, well, A, other than Sam, but still we'll see later that after people have looked at this again, it doesn't look 
like how a door frame would look if it was kicked open. Mm. But then, you know, they like they were on the sixth floor and there was no footprints on the balcony. So they didn't think someone came in from there. The door was locked from the inside with that swing bar. So then they switched gears and they started to treat it like a suicide. There's no way that could be a suicide. That many stab wounds? Right. I don't know. That sounds ridiculously dumb. Now, there was no suicide note. And remember back to her therapist. No, her therapist said she was not worried about suicide, suicidal ideations, tendencies, self-harm. None of that. She talked to her mom earlier that day. There was a bowl of fruit that it looks like she had cut up and she was getting ready to just have a little fruit snack. Yeah. And there's another hint right there. Another clue, because uh, if I'm feeling depressed I'm not eating fruit. I'm eating junk food or ice cream or whatever. If I'm depressed, I'm eating nothing. Yeah, or nothing. You're either punishing yourself with a billion calories or you're not eating anything. Right. And she filled up her gas tank. Right. She's thinking about the future. Yeah, she was making wedding plans. They had ju- she had just sent out Save the Dates like a couple weeks prior. Wow. Like I said, the police didn't really see it. They didn't see a note. That would point to suicide. There was there was no sign of forced entry. She didn't have any defensive wounds. So they were like, well, womp, womp, you know. They just kind of wrote it off. But I did do some digging into suicide because 20 stab wounds, especially in the back, in the, so she had to, I'm, you can't see it right now, but I'm like, <laughs> she would have to have had to do this. Right. That's. That's impossible. Like rapid fire stabbing uh-uh. the back of her head. and It went into her brain. And that's and not very many people kill themselves by just stabbing themselves all over. Exactly. Suicide by stabbing is very uncommon. Yeah. Less than 3% of suicide attempts involve stabbing. Right. Because it's too painful and takes too long. I mean, you're either going to take pills or shoot yourself or maybe slit your wrist or something. Right. And that's what I have in my notes here, too. Like stabbing, it's usually one stab to the neck, chest or abdomen. Yeah. Certainly not 10 to the back of the neck and head and 10 yeah. to the front. There's there's no way she could. A- any of those investigators that thought suicide was possible. I mean, they're out of their goddamn mind. Right. And what's more. Very few deaths, like the the few people who attempt suicide this way, most of them don't die. Hmm. And women in general don't turn to like, quote unquote, brutal methods no. of suicide. Women generally do. They try to overdose. Yep. Um, carbon monoxide poisoning, bleeding out, drowning, hanging. You know, it's just it's so it, and to me, it seems so frenzied, and you know, violent. At, yeah. And for her, like, you know, if it was a suicide, maybe it would make sense if she just snapped and decided just for whatever reason, I don't want to do this anymore. But from everything that people have said about her, everything leading up to this day, it doesn't make sense. Right. I feel like if she just had a moment of, I can't do this anymore, she she would have like ran and jumped off the balcony mm-hmm. or hung herself, you know? Yeah. Anyway, but I don't know her. So that's just kind of my opinion. Yeah. But you know, common sense and 
again, it's just, I'm just hearing this for the first time and there's, there's no fucking way she killed herself. No way. Yeah. Yeah. So the cops are getting or are assuming suicide. The medical examiner gets a hold of her body and initially rules it a homicide. But then he takes into account all of the things that the police were saying. And she did have her anxiety medications in her system. And they were like, well, you know, suicidal thoughts can be a side effect. So yada, yada, yada. The M.E. decides to agree and officially rules it, changes it from a homicide to a suicide. They did still kind of do their due diligence in investigating. They questioned Sam. He was very cooperative. They let him go. Um, They looked at the security cameras. They looked at his key fob records. Like, they didn't see anything out of the ordinary. But, of course, there's not a security camera down the hallway of their apartment, so they couldn't see if someone came and went. Right. Um, well, at least they're investigating. I mean, I, I was worried that you were just going to say, oh, case closed. It was a suicide. Well, that's kind of. Oh, I think I think they had suicide on their mind the whole time. So they didn't look too terribly hard, which is ridiculous. I mean, talk about the ultimate example of petty fogging. Just ridiculous. So. After Sam got let go from being questioned, he lawyered up, didn't really talk about what happened, which, fair. Yeah. He was cooperative. I, like, if if there was question whether, like, my fiancé was murdered or committed suicide and I was getting looked at, I would lawyer up, too. Same. You know? So, yeah. I mean, the general consensus of most of the public... Ellen's friends and family was that it just doesn't nothing really lines up with someone planning on committing suicide. There's some pieces to the puzzle that they're not seeing here. Right. So she died. She died at the end of January 2011. And then in March of 2011 is when um, her official cause of death was changed to suicide, citing alleged mental health struggles. And she was found in a locked apartment, no sign of struggle, no trace of any, anyone else's DNA, because criminals don't wear gloves or anything, you know. And remember, the fiancé happened to have an alibi. He was at the gym. And if the fiancé's DNA was found there... It's because he lived know, there. It, would, it was, yeah. So, yeah, Ellen's family has maintained that she did not commit suicide. Authorities... Did, you know, throughout this whole thing, they recovered her laptop and they said that there was Google searching going on for methods of suicide, Mm. which we'll come back to that. So her family has tried to have the case reopened. Ellen's mom has said, quote, there's no way my daughter would harm herself or anyone else. Now, they've been fighting to have this looked at and reopened for 10 years now, this whole time, because they just, I mean, even like you and I agree here, this does not look like suicide. Well, how, how has it not been reopened? I mean, I, I'm still shocked that it was ever deemed suicide in the first place, but how was, was there nobody else higher up that was advocating for this? I don't get it. No, 
not really. But mm. Ellen's family have um, hired medical professionals, law enforcement, like former law enforcement officers to come together and relook at everything, trying to to get enough evidence to have this case reopened. So the family lawyer, who is also a former um, Pennsylvania State Attorney General, his name is Walter Cohen, he said, quote, this is not a clear-cut case of suicide. Thank you. Yeah. Now, this case started garnering some local and national attention again when the Philadelphia Inquirer published a very good, very detailed article about this. And Ellen's uh, parents were able to get a hold of the autopsy report. And um, two medical professionals came back agreeing that her death was consistent with a homicide. Thank you. Yeah. Which is what we've been wanting this whole time. Everybody, her family, her friends, anybody that knew her. So it sounds like maybe it's starting to move towards justice here, hopefully. But still got to figure out who would have done it. Yeah. Fingers crossed. So one of the um, forensic pathologists re-looking at this said, quote, Suicidal stab wounds can rarely be multiple. Stab wounds to the back are unlikely to be suicide. So... Feasibly, she 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 could have done the stabbing herself. It's possible, but not probable, is what they're saying. Um, and then going back, the initial officers looking at this thought suicide because of the lack of defensive wounds. But a retired state trooper, also kind of getting involved in the case, argued that that doesn't mean the wounds are self-inflicted. Um, you know, someone could have came up behind her, surprised her, incapacitated her. Because right. remember, at least one of the wounds in her head punctured her brain. That's what I was thinking. They they came up behind mm-hmm. her first. And then after she fell down or whatever, then they stabbed her in the chest. Right. And um, one, of, one of the other forensic pathologists named Wayne Ross looking at this said that that wound in and of, in and of itself would have likely either made her pass out or she would have been in such such excruciating pain that she wouldn't have really been able to do anything to defend herself anyway. Which is just awful when you think about her last few moments of life. I mean, just terrible. Yeah. And uh, a portion of her spinal cord was still in possession of the medical examiner's office. So they were able to look at that, too. And um, one of the forensic pathologists looked at it and said, quote, you can plainly see the nerves were severed. She would have lost her motor skills and been in excruciating pain. So if she's in excruciating pain, unconscious or went numb and lost her ability to move and feel, how is she able to continue stabbing herself? Right. Now, a former coroner was re-looking at at this, and he said that he was on the fence. He said self-inflicted stab wounds are generally shallow, as if, like, you were kind of just testing to see what was going on. Mm. And a lot of the wounds on Ellen were shallower in 
nature and shallow stab wounds with homicide are uncommon. But he also said that the deep wounds on Ellen's body were consistent with a knife knife attack. He also said something unusual for him is that Ellen was stabbed through her clothes. Now, apparently, most people who try to commit suicide by stabbing themselves will lift up their clothes. They take their clothes off. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, basically, you know, most most people are agreeing that at the very least... This needs to be looked at again. Yes. And the family has just been pleading with... Um, I don't know what they're called, like the legal people. I forget the name. Um to like they've petitioned to have her case reopened because it did come out that Ellen never actually searched anything on her computer related to suicide. She never Googled methods. She never really Googled anything. So it's kind of like, well, why did they say she was right? You know, did they just pull that out of their asses to make an excuse? I mean, yeah. So the attorney general said that um, their hearts go out to the Greenberg family on the anniversary of Ellen's death. And um, they said there's no statute of limitation on homicide. However, if any new evidence is brought forward, we believe it should be reviewed by the proper authorities. At this time, no such information has been shared with our office. So I think what's really happening right now is the family and the um, their legal team and their team of experts are really trying to put together the best case possible that they have to kind of submit to have it relooked at. I mean, there's petitions online, there's Facebook pages. Um, so right now, as it stands, her death is still considered still to this day a suicide. Wow. Unbelievable. Today, right now, today. Because, yeah, and this, like all of this with her laptop, and um, they put together kind of like a, Mm -hmm. like an animation type thing showing her wounds and how they would have had to have been done. And it just doesn't, it makes no sense that it was Ellen that did that to herself. And with, the piece of her spinal cord that was clearly damaged. You know, I feel like they have all the evidence there that they need, but the legal system is tricky. It may not be enough. You know, we don't know, but that was in January of this year was the last update that I saw was when they announced that um, there was nothing on her laptop regarding suicide. And as far as I could tell, Sam hasn't really spoken publicly about it at all. He's he's married now. He's got kids. He's just out there living his life. I mean, I, I guess you can't say that he did it. Right. But just hearing this story, it, it, it seems pretty damning against him. And it seems like he tried to have an alibi tried to cover his tracks with the text messages, uh, got that door to lock from the outside like that. Which he don't sue us. This is just opinion. Yeah, this is all alleged. Allegedly. Uh, Alleged. I mean, yeah, he could have done the shoestring trick from, 
You too. Well, and if the security guard never actually came up to the door. Yeah. How do we, we don't, we don't know for sure that that swing bar was locked. Right. Although they, they probably could have like looked at the door, the, the cops when they, and the way it was kicked in. Right. Well, they did. And if the, and if the lock was. They said that like just a few screws were missing. Okay. Okay. Huh. So it didn't look like what you would think a door would look like after it was kicked in. Breaking news, everybody. Breaking news. After we recorded this episode of the podcast, there was a new development that just happened on the 19th of October, so just a few days ago. And what happened was is a neuropathologist who had been examining Um, Ellen Greenberg's body said that she was not even alive at the time some of her stab wounds okay happened or whatever so that definitely puts it into a different realm here a new perspective is shed on this case now yeah so that really should officially throw the idea that she committed suicide straight out the window because it's a homicide you can't stab yourself when you're dead no so obviously that points to the fiance that everybody's been looking at for the last number of years anyway here well i suppose i mean nothing has been officially allegedly yeah but i mean nothing nobody has been named to my knowledge, as like a person of interest or a suspect, I think right now what her family is really just trying to do is get is get the case opened, yeah, and changed from a suicide because I mean from the very beginning you and I agreed that this does not seem like a suicide, right, at all, and finally some you know scientists and attorneys and pathologists and you know whatever who who uh, this neuropathologist that I mentioned was apparently hired by the city of Fidel- uh, by the city of Philadelphia. So mm. um, it seems like things are probably headed in a positive direction in order to have her case relooked at and um, get some get some suspects. And it's about time. There's so many people that have been calling for justice for Ellen here. So maybe it's finally heading down that path. Let's hope so. Yeah, fingers crossed. And we will keep watching this to see if there's any new developments. And we will also be sure to keep you guys updated as well. So, yeah, that is the story of the very mysterious, very unexplained death of Ellen Greenberg. She needs some justice. That's for sure. She does. I thought you said Jesus at first. Jesus. Jesus. She needs Jesus. You know what our listeners need? Socials? They do. They need to come hang out with us on Twitter. Unnatural the pod. 
Instagram, Unnatural the Podcast. Find us on Facebook, Unnatural a True Crime Podcast. Send us a Gmail, unnaturalthepodcast at gmail.com. And please, please, please consider signing up for our Patreon page. You will get early access to ad-free episodes, bonus content, and more. That is patreon.com slash unnaturalthepod. And as always, be sure to rate, subscribe, follow, share us with your friends. What are we doing next week? Do you know? Have you decided? I, because, or are you pulling a me? It's, I'm not pulling a you, but we, we, we got an email about a case that's very intriguing. We did get an email. Um, so I'm trying to decide if I'm going to stick with the one that I'm already doing or if I'm going to go with that one. So we'll find out next week. It'll be a surprise. Yay. Yeah. Make good choices. Don't get caught. See you next week, everybody. Because it's a homicide. You can't stab yourself when you're dead. No. Unless you're a zombie. But zombies don't do that anyway. Yeah. I don't... I, I don't think they do. But I am also not a zombie. So I don't know. <laughs>